Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. in the basement my name's chris his name's craig i don't know what we're going to talk about today the off season <laughs> is just so boring like luckily like we're entering november now and we're going to finally start to see things happen we're going to see decisions start to get made we're going to start hearing about what teams want to do in terms of like picking up options who's going to end up in the free agent pool you know you're going to start hearing things about arbitration numbers and things like that so like stuff is going to start happening in november finally i mean the world series has been fun i i've enjoyed it i I, I noticed right away comments by Rob Manfred that I think every baseball team should take note of, and that is it sounds like the automated strike zone is coming in 2025. Like when you're evaluating catchers, and I know that's something that the Pirates have to do. They have a couple of very good young catchers that are up and coming right now in their system, but like framing doesn't matter anymore. Can you block the plate? What's your pop time? And what do you do at the plate with the stick? That it's going to be more old school. The last 20 years of how you evaluated catchers is going to go away if a computer is going to pick what's a ball and what's a strike. Now, how you move the glove and how you frame things isn't going to matter anymore, Craig, and hopefully the Pirates are paying attention to those comments that came out this week from the World Series and the commissioner. Yeah, and it should make uh, a lot of Pirates fans happy because... You know, one of the most hated pirates in recent memory here, uh, Austin Hedges. I mean, you see him dancing around. I mean, striking out in like a big moment. But yeah, I mean, him, that's all he was. I mean, I looked the numbers up. He was number two in framing um, in all of Major League Baseball for the season. He was like in the top 10 in blocking. He had, you know, right around 11 defensive runs saved which was pretty much the reason he was brought in here. I think people, you know, kind of forget that from when stuff was talked about. I mean, in the off season, when we signed him, it wasn't like I was like, Oh, elated about it, but I could at least see the reasoning behind why they did it. I wasn't expecting him to hit. He hit below actually what he hit for the pirates over the previous like two or three seasons um, he didn't have any power, which he did have a little bit of power before, but I think it's one of those times where can you run into one, but he did exactly what he was supposed to do. But I mean, pirates fans that don't like that kind of stuff can, can start to rejoice with those types of comments because I mean, we all always knew this was coming. And last week I had Jason Mackey on and we had a, a big long discussion about Henry Davis and we had brought this up even, you know, previously that, you know, they're trying him back out of catcher again, because if that is coming and his, you know, major 
issue is probably the framing. He's got the athleticism to be able to learn how to block in different stuff. If you have his bat, and it always has to come back to if he hits, then you don't maybe want to throw that away as quickly. And obviously, you didn't give him a a lot of time behind the plate in the majors this year. So if he works on it for an offseason, we'll see what that can do. But yeah, I mean, that changes a lot of stuff. You won't see these, you know, Martin Maldonados. You won't see the Austin Hedges. You, you won't mind, see you guys. Might, you might see a few guys that are defensive minded still. It's just yeah. that framing won't matter. I mean, if a guy yeah. is really good at calling a game, if a guy is really good with a staff and he's really good with blocking and he's holding runners from, from stealing, especially now with the idea that you only get so many times where you can throw over. Like there, there is still a value to the defensive catcher, but the framing metric yeah. is going to be out the window. And so a smart franchise reshuffles how they view their catchers in their system and how they view other potential catchers they would bring into their system because that metric isn't going to matter if the commissioner is to be believed. And I believe that that's what's going to happen because Major League Baseball, their own system, you go to MLB.com and follow a game with their stack cast thing or whatever they call it, where they, they're just, you know, you can actually see the balls and the strikes and the little guys moving around just on the computer screen. Their own system shows you when an umpire screws up. Like it's right there. And then it's immediately tweeted out and, and put up on all the social media and everything like that, where fans can just rip their umpires. It's a bad look for their brand to not have accurate balls and strikes called at the plate. So this is definitely coming. And it, it re you have to reevaluate the catcher position and the value of certain guys. Because if it was a guy like Hedges, who you were like, well, compared to him and these other guys, uh, they're basically the same, but I'm going to go with Hedges because he's a good framer. Now you wouldn't. And so I still think that defensive catchers have a place, but you're right. I, I, I also see that a guy like Henry Davis, he, he's, he's one of his big deficiencies is not a deficiency anymore, at least at the start of the 25 season, if what Manfred said can be believed. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I kind of do believe it though, Chris, just because, I mean, it has come up through the minors now it's in triple a already. They're using it out in the Arizona fall league and they're using that to kind of tweak it and everything. Because I mean, in the beginning, everybody will know the ABS system was just like this block. And it was very similar to the block that we see on the TV that isn't always accurate for every player, but now it's based off of, I mean, you, we've seen like the, the old EA commercials where a guy gets the little things put on him, and you can see like the, he actually makes the motions, you know, for the players and different stuff. I mean, they can like bring a guy in, put him in a thing, show his stance and it will, you know, adjust to his body. I, uh, well, it's got it's got to adjust to his height. Yeah, it's got to adjust to his height. It's got it's really supposed to be, you know, knees to to you know right across the numbers here, like where where the armpits are. Like that's that's the height, okay. And then the the plate dimensions, they can get that and they can figure that out. What would be interesting is if they could also tweak this to be able to read whether or not the bat has broken whatever magical plane determines whether or not it's a check swing or not. Because these umpires all vary on how they look at check swings. And so, like, that's that'll be the next thing that they'll be trying to get the system to figure out is whether or not the bat came around enough or if his wrist broke or whatever it is, because it seems like there's a new explanation to that all the time. But, I mean, it's coming, folks. Like, I mean, this is just this is something that's going to happen. And the, the best thing Major League Baseball can do with it is try to find a way to kind of mask it. Right. 
Like the Major League Baseball has to mask it so that me as the viewer is not as aware of the fact that a computer is making the calls. And I think that's really the biggest tweak. Presentation-wise, I still have to feel as a baseball fan that the umpire is making the call. Like I still have to feel as a baseball fan <laughs> that like that that's happening because I still like to boo. And when they call a guy out on a 3-2 pitch and I'm like, that was outside, I'm not going to, I don't want to even listen to the fact that a computer figured it out. The computer's wrong. The umpire's wrong. Major League Baseball's wrong. I'm still going to be ticked off. So it's all about, it's all about the presentation of it. Don't, don't lose that. And I think that it'll be okay and it'll be like a seamless thing and people get used to it just like they've gotten used to the pitch clock. Because I got used to that as the season went on. I understood it. It hasn't bothered me. It hasn't hurt me in any way. I'm not like I saw players adjust to the thing and eventually it's going to be something you never think of. Yeah. And, and I mean, even Chris, the pitch clock has been coming into a decent amount of discussions and not because of the negative aspect of gameplay, but it, it comes into, you know, something else that, that Rob Manfred brought up during his discussions, which was, you know, the starting pitcher, not having the, the presence within the game that the starting pitcher used to. And it kind of seems like wanting to go back to that. And, and I've heard some discussions about, you know, how the pitch clock has a, affected, you know, a, a pitcher's abilities, a, a pitcher's, you know, they, that downtime uh, to be able to, I don't even, it's like the couple seconds to recoup and different stuff. And, I mean, I think a lot of it still has to do with, you know, velocity and and the spin rates and different stuff like that. But that's the pitch clock has kind of come in there. But yeah, the pitch clock I absolutely loved. I had to it took a little like a little bit to get used to it. I had I had seen it in the minor leagues before, so I had some, you know, background to it as to the fact that I can't get up to get a hot dog and a beer and expect to be back in my seat without missing at least, you know, a couple seconds of the game. Before it changed you... the in-game experience, right? Yeah. I mean, it changed the the pitch clock changed the in-game experience. It changed how you time out getting up from your seat. It changed, you know, w- at what point in the game you're willing to move, you know, run to the bathroom, whatever you're going to go and do because you know the game's moving quicker. It really changed the way that, that teams need to operate as well. Like there need to be more options moving up and down the aisles again. I think that all of Major League Baseball got to a point, especially when COVID hit, where it was like, oh, well, we can only use a credit card. Like, Major League Baseball put that into place. You know, yeah. they didn't want anybody using cash anymore. Her tipping of the of the people at the ballpark who are working hard for you, it created an instance where now you walk up to a counter sometimes and you're just getting a hot dog. Did you ever use the tip on a hot dog? You tipped on beers, right? Now they're yeah. trying to find a way to get you. Get, get, you got to give 20% on a hot dog. I laugh at that. I'm like, when my kid goes and gets a Coke <laughs> and he's nine years old and he goes and gets a Coke, you think you should get two bucks for it? I think like some of that stuff has become ridiculous all because of the last couple of years. And you've seen less vendors like you still see them. But there are actually it feels like less of them because they've gone cashless and they've got to figure out a way to fix that because people don't want to get out of their seats. And also. You would think the owners would be motivated to do that. The stadium operations would be motivated to find that because they've got to be losing money. These shorter games mean less beer sales. These shorter games mean, you know, less in terms of food sales. Like when I used to go to a game with my dad, it was like, all right, we're going to eat at the beginning. And then in such and such inning, you get some nachos. And in such and such inning, you get yourself like your dessert. Like I would just be like, he knew I was going to ask for the thing. So he had like this marker in his brain. Well, now those innings come so quick. That you're going to see a difference in, in eating habits and consumption habits and drinking habits and all those stuff. And it's got to affect, you would think, concessions inside yeah. of ballparks. So I think you're going to see these little tweaks happen inside ballparks from coast to coast after what they saw this year when they're now able to look at the data 
and be like, oh, look at this. Like, we're not doing so well on this anymore. This isn't working anymore. So the pitch clock is going to have, like, these repercussions that you're going to see kind of, like, rattle through, like, the in-game experience. But overall, I love the fact that I could go to a game, especially with the little kids, and be home at a reasonable time, right? Like, I could take my 8-year-old to a night game and not feel like we were going to get home close to midnight anymore. And that You know, it it enhanced that experience, and I think long-term, you'll see more people come to the ballpark. You saw attendance already up. I think it's going to continue to climb. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, especially, you know, I have my youngest is just about to turn seven and I don't think he actually sat down for an entire ball game in his life until this season. I think we even talked about last year on on Father's Day, Jack Sawinski's like three home run game. I missed like two of them because I was constantly running places. Well, if there was action going on in the field, like he didn't want to go anywhere. Like we would go and get, like you said, we'd get our like snacks or something like like that. And then maybe in the later innings, we'd get, you know, go get an ice cream or something. But also there's not that downtime for him to think, oh yeah, there's a, there's a playground over there. We can go play around a little bit. No, there's constantly stuff going on in the field and it definitely kept him in his seat. And, And like you said, Chris, I enjoyed when you went to a ball game, it wasn't like, okay, the game starts at seven. The game's not going to be over till around like 11 and guess what? I'm not getting home till midnight. I, I definitely enjoy that. And it made for even me being able to go out to Altoona more just because I, I have that an hour and a half drive home. If a game starts at six, I mean, like I said, I wasn't usually getting home till midnight. Now I'm home by like 930. I absolutely loved it. So that part of it is is good. And I actually think that, you know, I, I don't know if if it has any effect on you know, the starter pitchers and, and different stuff like that as, as far as I think how that's a long they go in games. I think that's a I, lame excuse I, by guys who want to explain why they weren't able to do what they had done in previous years or they're just set in their ways. I think that, you know, look, there were pitchers worked quickly years and years ago and they had great success when they were doing it. And I'm, I'm sorry it gets in the way of your mechanical way, you know, of, of you know, getting the ball back, going through your routine, getting yourself ready learn something else adjust to it because the game is better i mean the eight-year-old just like with your kids totally into the game this year as opposed to when he would go to games in previous years the the one that really stands out to me is my 15 year old hockey player okay that's a kid who loves quick things on the ice and when he goes to a hockey game he will lean out there and he will watch a game with me and he will be criticizing nhl players telling me like that guy just slid into the wrong spot a goal's coming because this guy's out of position like he is intently watching that action and he went to more baseball games this year than i've ever seen him go to because it was more fun it was more intense there was more going on and it, it captured the way his brain works and i think that that's the thing Major League Baseball started to figure out that there's an entire generation of people that need quick little bursts of excitement. It's the reason why, look, we're we're doing a podcast. It's the perfect example of it, right? We're doing a podcast, and we do 30-minute shows because they're easily consumable, right? Yeah. Four years ago or five years ago when I came up with the concept of doing all the podcasts on my network in 30-minute increments, nobody was doing it. And I was like, well, these three-hour shows, nobody finishes them, and so we're going to do this way. And I've spoken at different podcast events and I've had people start to copy what I do, right? Well, now everybody's cutting them in half. Now there's ones that are going 15 minutes. Now you get the TikTok video and the thing lasts for three, four minutes and people are consuming those things. People like quick things. It's just, yeah. and, and, and the younger you go, they're more into the action and the quick thing and they want, they want an end result quicker than we wanted it. 
This is a generation. There are generations now that are used to the idea of on demand and pausing live television. Okay. You and I used to, <laughs> to get up and turn the knob, right? And then yeah. move the rabbit ears. And if we were late getting to the show, we didn't know what happened in the first 10 minutes because they didn't even rerun it most of the time. Let alone the fact that I could, I mean, yeah, if I, if I was going to miss a show, I had to, I had to get the VCR set up and then hope that I had set the timer correctly. Hitting yeah. The little buttons. I mean, like, come on. So, I mean, like, I think a lot of people like us and, and I'm acting like I'm 80 years old. I'm in my mid forties for crying out loud. The difference between us though, and just 20 years younger than us, they needed this baseball needed this to capture the attention of future generations. Cause it was dying. It went from being the number one sport in this country to like three, I think is where it's ranked currently. Okay. And it's because they couldn't keep the attention of, of fans. So I think the pitch clock was a, was a great experience. And now they've got to do uh, the, the, the balls and strikes automated. Cause again, that generation can look it up immediately on their little computer. They carry around in their pocket. Okay. On their phone. Another thing that didn't exist with us. And they can sit there and they can look it up and say, that wasn't a strike. That wasn't a ball. I can see it from five different angles while I sit in my seat using the Wi-Fi that the team provides to me, and I can see what happened <laughs> while I'm sitting here in the stands at the ball game. So they have to correct these things because as much as I love the purity of baseball, that, that's the only way now to compete for eyes, and it's the only way that they survive as a game. And I think they've done a very good job of making me not even realize it's happening. I forgot about the pitch clock halfway through the season, and I think once they get to this automated thing, once I adjust to it, I'll just see the umpire doing this you know, pulling the strike out, you know, walking a guy like, and I'll just sit there and accept that like he's making the call and, and forget the fact that he's getting a buzz in his ear or however they do it. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Even if you look back to when we were younger, Chris, I mean, you we were talking about the pitchers. I mean, like a Greg Maddox or Randy Johnson, a John Smoltz, like all these guys that are, you know, still around the game and still talking. Like, I mean, they were delivering the ball in like, 10, 15 seconds. I mean, it was like, it was like rapid fire. And a, a lot of those guys, I mean, some of them did have injuries, but a lot of them didn't, but it was also when we got into the game was in a faster paced game. And we just kind of, I mean, we went along with the fact that it was longer as we got older. I think part of it was because the ball game Yankees became Red like Sox. an event. Yankees Red Sox turned it into it. Yankees and Red Sox, when ESPN started covering those games and they became four-hour things in the postseason, <laughs> started making us think that that was normal. And it wasn't normal. It was awful, right? Yeah. Like, it was just, it was, it was excruciating. Who has the time for that? And let's be honest, I think, I think that the media encouraged it to get longer because you could sell more commercial ad time. 
you know, think about what baseball gave up here to get the pitch clock going. I know this is so far off of what we were going to talk about today, but we're on a roll here. And it's the off season, <laughs> so who cares? But think about what Major League Baseball gave up. They gave up commercial ad time in game because the game was moving faster. They shortened the amount of time between innings, giving up commercial ad time in between innings as well. There's less pauses to the action. They gave up commercial ad time during that as well. They gave up money. They gave up money they were used to bringing in and, and reduced the amount of commercial ad time that they were able to put in between things because they shortened what was going on in the game. They gave up concessions. They gave, there's a lot of money that was given up to quicken the game to convince 32 Major League Baseball. I mean, think about this. When, when we just had the most recent labor thing, how hard it was to just get enough of them on board to vote for something. And they were able to convince all of them, most of which have some share in, in one of these regional sports networks where they're making that money, where they're getting a direct impact to what they can sell. And they were able to convince them all that it was better for them to give up money now because it was going to strengthen the game. Like, like they're, the billionaires are billionaires because they understand how to make money. And so they knew that the better path was to go this way. And that's why they're touting. We have more people in the stands. We have more interest. Long-term, we'll make more money. And that's what they're going to end up doing off of this entire thing. And it benefit, it's benefited everybody except for surly baseball pitchers that don't like being rushed and are looking for an excuse as to why all of a sudden they're giving up more home runs than they used to. And it can't be because they've gotten old, right? It can't be because <laughs> they're, they're off. I mean, like, because that never happened before. It never happened where a really good baseball pitcher came in and had an off year. That never happened in baseball before. It happened all the time. Yeah. But it's, the e it's easy, low-hanging fruit to blame the pitch clock on the entire thing. It, that's what it is. And it'll be easy, low-hanging fruit to blame the computers. You're going to have pitchers sitting there saying that was always called a strike. No, I don't think it was. And if it was called a strike, they were wrong. You benefited from good framing. You benefited from the, the shape of your pitch. That's been like the new thing over the last few years. You got pitching coaches that talk about the shape of the pitch. It's all yeah. like how to fool the umpire into getting calls when you're doing it. Well, guess what? Now you just got to go back to throwing it within that box and, and being able to outsmart the guy to where he thinks you're throwing a fastball low and in and you're throwing a curveball, you know, high and out, you know, and you're, 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 you're going to make him windmill through the thing because you outsmarted him. And that's really what baseball is. What this has done and what these rules are doing, even though they've kind of changed things a little bit, they have returned the game a little bit more to what made the game great before it slipped to being the third most popular game in the country. Yeah, and I mean, it, it definitely does because, I mean, the umpires became like almost a central focus of things. I mean, you think about back in the day, I mean, they're, guys like pretty much swung at like almost anything. If it was anywhere near the plate, I mean, looking back to like, I'm talking like the the beginnings of the game like no, it, the point of the game was just to throw it to a guy so he could hit it you were a hurler you weren't even a pitcher um to to going to the point where you know you're relying on these umpires which i mean we've all seen the ump scorecards and there's guys in games that are just absolutely god awful and one's where it's like you're you're terrible yeah, i'm better and, than you i've never umped a game and i bet you i could do better than you yeah, and there's pitches where it's like right down the middle and it's called a ball because the the umpire was either expecting it to be, you know, someplace else or maybe even the catcher was and it ended up right down the middle of the plate and it was it was like, okay, well, it wasn't where it was supposed to be, so it's it's not a strike anymore. It, it's it's definitely gone a little bit too far, and I think this will definitely reel it back in. But like you said, Chris, it has to definitely be on the presentation of stuff. 
because yeah, I mean, I think eventually it'll be out of our minds and we'll just be looking to see the action. I mean, a lot of times, you know, strikeouts are cool. All this kind of different stuff is, is really cool, but especially for the younger generation, what do they want to see? They want to see at least the ball in play. Uh, they want, they do want to see, you know, some strikeouts and stuff, but for the most part, I mean, it's the action that that's, what's going to keep them uh, invested in the game. Right. And at a game at an actual game, it's going to be more action. Look, come on, at a game, wherever you're sitting, can you really tell if it's a ball or a strike when you're in the outfield, you're sitting in right field. Are you able to tell if it's really a ball or strike? You might Not be able to close. see where the ball, you're going to see where on the height of the player that it went across, but you don't know where it went across on the plate. And you know, and so like, that's the thing. Like now you're just going to see the strikes and the balls just kind of pop up on the, on the screen. You're going to see the umpire indicating and as it's happening and you're going to sit there and go, okay, it's three, two now, you know, <laughs> you're not going to question very much. Like people, people are going to boo still. They're going to be upset about things, but now on a check swing, like if, like if they were able to figure out what a check swing was with a computer, it'd be amazing. Cause now on a check swing, you'd be booing more at the player for going around on that terrible pitch. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's what you'd be doing. You'd be like, what were you doing? Right. Like, it's not going to change the atmosphere in the game and things are just going to kind of cruise along. I think it'd be a lot more. The gameplay is going to be better. You know, I mean, I get the purest idea of doing things. I understand it. All right. But, you know, at this point, with all this technology, everybody can see on the screen the little box and whether or not the ball falls in there. So why not have the box that's actually keeping the balls and the strikes? sitting on the little screen and now you're seeing what the computer sees and you're just moving through and watching, watching the actual gameplay, watching the, the gamesmanship between the pitcher and the batter as he's selecting his pitches and how he's going to go after him rather than sitting there going, I don't know, that was a terrible call on the second pitch of the at bat. And you're obsessing over it. And you're missing what's going on in the actual game. Yeah. And the other piece is, I mean, I remember when people were upset about, you know, the, the instant replay and stuff in baseball and said it was going to ruin the game. But I mean, I think now a lot of people have just like, I, I just kind of accept that it's part of the game. Like, so, Oh man, that was a bang, bang play. Let's see if, if it was, if he was actually out and the call was going to be right. So, I mean, yeah, there's stuff that, I mean, I think as fans, we, we kind of get upset about in the beginning, the purest in us wants to see it stay the same, but in essence, once it changes and it gets going, if you enjoy the game, you just kind of move along and say, okay, this is something that happens now in the game. The only thing that I hate about the instant replay is that when they get it wrong, when you've got 12 camera angles and New York gets it wrong, that's a yeah. real problem. Like they screwed up that rule in the, uh, in the ALCS where with the, with the Astros and the Rangers, Jose Abreu gets a ground ball or, or and runs over and tries to put a tag on and he hits batting gloves, right? Yeah. Well, the rule says that the equipment doesn't matter if it's not actually in use. The gloves weren't on his hands. Yeah. But the interpretation in New York was that it was it was equipment, so it counts because he touched it. But when you actually read the rule, it isn't, right? Like, get it right. Like, I don't expect the umpire on the field to remember Rule 47, subset E, section 12, updated three years ago in a meeting of some owners, you know, like, I, I mean, like he should, but he's going to make mistakes. Right. 
But inside of the studio in New York or wherever they're doing this thing, where they have every camera angle and they have all the time to get it right on a national stage, and in that case, there wasn't any other game going on, so everybody's there, right? Yeah. You don't have anybody that's able to bring up that rule, that, that can't punch in a couple of keywords about it and get it to pop up right on a screen somewhere and read the thing? So, I mean, like, that's the only thing that drives me nuts about replay. Like, if you're going to have replay, get it right. I also, the other thing I don't like about replay is the stupid thing where, like, a guy beats a throw, pops in, and his and his foot comes off the base by, like, a millimeter. And now I, you're I calling it out that, because yeah. the glove's still on him. And it's like, come on. That would, like, that would, that guy's safe in 1908. That guy's safe in 1942. That guy's safe in 1984. That guy's safe in 2010. That guy should be safe there. Right. Yeah. And, and and they they really should change the rule on that one. So those millimeters, because you got this camera angle, changes everything. Th- those are my only complaints about replay. Yeah. And, and I could kind of see the one with like the the part because I, it took me back. I couldn't remember what it was with Daniel Vogelback because he used to not Velcro his his gloves when he was batting. And the umps said something about him Velcroing it. So I don't know if it hit it. That it would, if it would count as a hit by pitch, or if right. what it would, or something like that. It, so I couldn't remember because if they were in use, but they used to tell him to velcro them up, and maybe he kept it open because if it hit his glove, like in that little thing, he gets a, a base, he gets on base, and it doesn't even like actually hit him. But think about it now. That's the problem. The the thing with the camera angles and the high definition and the way that baseball is covered is why you have to have automatic strike zones now, automated strike zones now. That's why you have to have it. That's why you have replay now, right? That's why you have all these things, because the fan can actually see what happened. And I go back to, like, this past week, I found, like, a video of, like, all these big moments in the World Series somebody had put together, right? And I'm kind of scrolling through them, and I'm watching them and things like that. And there was one where they showed in 2005 uh, Paul Canerco hitting a Grand Slam in Game 2 of the World Series. And I remember that World Series, and I remember that Jermaine Dye, who's in front of him, the ball hits his bat knob. Yeah. And the umpire thinks it hits him in the hand, awards him first base. The Astros go and get a relief pitcher and first pitches over the wall. With the high definition that's there now and with replay, that never happens. Probably changes yeah. everything. Probably changes everything, right? And and so, like, but that was at that point where we were starting to be able to see those things because cameras were getting better, but Major League Baseball hadn't caught up. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing you have to avoid. That's just one instance in many instances. We can all come up with these things. We can come up with no hitters that were lost and perfect games that were lost and just weird stuff that has happened that we as fans would not have seen if it wouldn't have been for how good the technology is. If those instances happen, have you ever watched like the replay of a game from the 70s or the 80s? The, I mean, the, even the early 90s, man. It's so fuzzy. <laughs> it's so fuzzy. You can barely tell what's across the plate. Like, you're just depending that the umpire's right. Like, you'll watch, like, an old at bat with, like, you know, you got uh, uh, you got Tom Seaver pitching for the Mets or something like that, right? And he's out there, and he, and he throws his pitch, and you're like, I don't know if that's a ball or a strike because there's not a square there, right? The catcher's kind yeah. of falling off to the side, right? That Like, the batter seemed that didn't complain afterwards, and the umpire just called it a strike. But I can't tell watching that footage. So, yeah. you know, when, when people used to watch games, they couldn't see the mistakes that were there. Trust me, the mistakes were there. Umpires were bad at their at their craft, okay? There were, there, were, there were weird things that happened that gave teams victories and gave teams losses. There were things that went wrong. You just didn't notice it. And then we got to a point in technology where everybody could notice it. And, yeah. and that's why you need to have these things now because it, it will enhance the game. Because you can't convince my 15-year-old 
that like that. Well, you just got to accept those things. He looks at it and goes, "What do you mean you got to accept it? I can see it right there on the screen." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna see it. They're gonna they're gonna look at it and say, "Okay, this umpire was right." You know, eighty five percent of the time on strikes, and it's just like the kids are gonna be like, "Why am I gonna watch this if if right. it's not even gonna be right?" This guy's always wrong, right? I mean, like we've watched him play off baseball. He's yelled at the TV a couple of times. Neither one of these teams are his teams, and he's sitting there going, "What? Do? That's a terrible call." I can see it right there on the screen. Why are they doing something about that, Dad? <laughs> so you, know, yeah. you have to adjust for his generation. And, and baseball is doing that. And as long as they cover it up enough that I, it's not like sitting there with like a sore thumb and it's driving me nuts, I can accept it, right? Like as long as the umpire is still doing this and I forget that he's being told what the strike is, I'll accept it. That's, that's yeah, because Chris, I mean, they've already got us. They've got us hook, line, and sinker, 40-some years old, still watching baseball. They need to get the, the 15, the 12, the 10, the 8-year-olds right. into the game. Get them in there. Get them in there. Get them subscribing to uh, Bucks and Baseball as well. Okay. Tell your 15-year-old tell yeah. to hit that yeah. subscribe button. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but this